Spring is a great time of year to do some cleaning around the house and clean up your finances. And something else that you can do for your family this spring is shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius as part of your financial planning for the year. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind so that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses, things like mortgage payments, credit card payments, car loans, or even college costs. I have a wife and two kids, with a third on the way, by the way, and business partners that all depend depend on my income. So I needed life insurance and Policy Genius made that so incredibly easy. And with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. One of my favorite ways to invest is real estate, but not everyone wants to handle tenants and toilets. Enter Fundrise. They make it easy to invest in real estate with their flagship fund. Now, as always, you always have to carefully consider the investment objectives and risks of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. But right now, demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. And the Fundrise flagship fund plans on going on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes with just as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash PFP. As always, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash PFP. That's fundrise.com slash PFP. This is a paid advertisement. On this episode of the Personal Finance Podcast, we're going to talk about wealth accelerators. I'm your host, Andrew, founder of MasterMoney.co, and today on the Personal Finance Podcast, we have an incredible episode for you guys. We're going to be talking about wealth accelerators. If you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram or TikTok at MasterMoneyCo, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast to, and if you want to help out the show, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well. We are Master Money on YouTube. Now, today, I am so incredibly excited to talk to you guys about wealth accelerators. So we talk about investing all the time. And what we're going to talk about today is ways that you can actually accelerate your path to wealth. Mainly, what we're trying to find here and what we're talking about here is once you hit those minimum investment goals, which we'll talk about here in a second, what you want to do is find wealth accelerators so that you can increase the cash flow within your life. Because cash flow is what is going to actually free you from your job that much sooner. Now, you can definitely do it with the ways that we always talk about. Having a long time horizon, investing a certain amount of money every single month, putting it into retirement accounts, putting it into brokerage accounts. Those are absolutely fantastic. And that's why those are first in the stairway to wealth. But what we're talking about here is the next level. Well, how do you get into the millionaire fast lane? 
How do you get there faster if you don't want to work 30, 40, 50 years into your life? Because let's get real here. Most of us don't want to get rich slow. Nobody wants to get rich slow. So if you can accelerate that path, these wealth accelerators are things that are going to help you get to that point. And we're going to talk about a number of them here today. But why would you actually want to put your dollars into a wealth accelerator? Why would you even want to invest your dollars? Because cash, especially right now, is something that you do not want to be holding on to. A lot of people say cash is trash. I don't think that is true, but I think that cash is something you do not want to be holding on to unless it's for short-term savings goals, your emergency fund, or your cash buffer. Outside of those items, there's not a huge reason to be holding cash unless it really gives you peace of mind. If holding cash gives you peace of mind, you have some extra cash on hand, and you like having that peace of mind, then more power to you, but that's what the emergency fund is there for. So what you want to do is make sure that you're not letting your money sit in cash because cash is losing value every single month. Why? Because inflation is eating away at the value of that cash. So when cash is sitting idle, when cash does not get moving, when you don't put cash to work, all of a sudden what happens is that you lose the value of those dollars every single month. And lately it's been way worse. So before the pandemic, the 20 years prior to that, our inflation rate was growing at a rate of about 2%. So it wasn't too bad, but you were still losing value in your cash every single month. Well, now we're looking at years of 10%, and right now we're looking at 8.2% at the time I'm recording this. So every $100 that you had saved in cash at this time last year is now worth $92. And this is why you have to get cash working, and you have to put cash to work, get it moving, so that your cash can start to grow instead of starting to disintegrate. Because if your money is losing value every single month, that's the most risky asset you could be holding of all. So you have to move that money into a cash-producing asset. And a cash-producing asset are things like stocks, and they're things like these wealth accelerators that we're going to be talking about. Now, here's a really easy way to understand this. Say you have a stack of $100 bills, and that's all the money that there is in the world. And each time the government prints more dollars, that cash becomes less valuable because there's more cash in circulation. So what you have to do is make sure you're not letting your money get lazy by sitting still and you have to deploy that cash and find somewhere to put it into. Find something that's going to make it grow over time. So how do you do that? Well, let's talk about it here. The first thing you want to do, and this is something that you've heard me talk about a number of times, but I want to introduce and talk about it in a little more detail here, is you want to hit those minimum investment goals. So we're going to call those minimum investment goals or MIGs. So this is phase one of starting to build wealth, is hitting your minimum investment goals. And this is the stuff that we talk about all the time. This is because when you first start building wealth, this should be your goal, is focusing on these minimum investment goals. Because when you're in the minimum investment goal phase, the MIG phase, what you should be doing is hitting those minimum investment goals and then focus your time on increasing your income. Because increasing your income is the catapult to building wealth. It is the way that you can accelerate your path to wealth. So you have to focus a lot of time early on specifically on increasing your income. Because more income you get in, the more dollars you could put to work for you and the faster you can create freedom for your life. Because you can only cut back so much, but you can grow your money infinitely if you want to. So this is something where you really have to think through what do you want out of life, how fast do you want to hit freedom, and focusing on increasing your income first while hitting these minimum investment goals is incredibly important. So 
What are the minimum investment goals? It's the early part of the Stairway to Wealth. Now, if you haven't heard our episode called The Stairway to Wealth, and we have a 2.0 version now, if you haven't heard that episode yet, it's the order to put your money in. And the front end of that is some of the minimum investment goals. So maybe you just have enough money to put your dollars in a Roth IRA and get your 401k match. Well, those are hitting your minimum investment goals because what that does is it allows you to still have money in retirement when you start to pursue these wealth accelerators. Or maybe you're maxing out your 401k at work, or you're investing as much as you can while paying down debt, or you're trying to juggle big savings goals like buying a house or saving up for a wedding or saving up for your first car. And this is all normal stuff. Early on, I get it. This is all hard to juggle because everybody has so many different savings goals and it's hard to figure out which ones you want to juggle. So we have an episode talking about how to prioritize your savings goals and I'll leave it down in the show notes so you can check that out as well. But that's an episode, if you're trying to juggle this stuff, if you're trying to figure out how do I save for all of my savings goals, well, this episode is going to walk you through that. So make sure you check that episode out if you haven't heard it. Now, hitting these minimum investment goals, what this does is it allows you to have that lump sum in retirement. So say, for example, you max out your Roth IRA for 30 years, and that's hitting your minimum investment goal. Well, if you're doing that, if you're maxing out that Roth IRA over the course of 30 years, if you get a 10% rate of return, you're approaching a million dollars in retirement. So now you have a minimum investment goal where you at least have that million dollar nest egg no matter what happens or you're hitting that max every single year no matter what. That's your laser focus. That's your minimum investment goal. Then what you can do is after you hit those, then you can go out and get some wealth accelerators. Now what wealth accelerators are gonna do is if you focus your time and if you do this the right way and you focus your time on increasing your income, as your income increases, you're gonna have a larger gap or a larger buffer. It's the difference between your income and your expenses is that gap. And as that gap grows over time, you can take more of those dollars and put them into different types of investments. Whereas if you're still hitting those minimum investment goals, what's happening here is if anything fails within your wealth accelerators, you still have those MIGs to fall back on. You still have that money in that retirement account. You're still going to have a comfortable retirement account. So the first thing you want to figure out is how do I hit my MIG What can I retire with comfortably? And then what I want to do is once I hit those numbers and my income starts to grow and I can invest more dollars, now we're going to get really wealthy. We're going to create real wealth. Now, I'm not talking about one, two million dollars here. What I'm talking about is we're going to accelerate our wealth path and try to get five, 10, 15, 20 million dollars by creating wealth through some of these wealth accelerators. Because like we said, this is something where nobody wants to get rich slow. Nobody in this world wants to get rich slow. And I think a lot of times people in the personal finance industry only focus on the getting rich slow. But if you can increase your income, if you focus your time on increasing your income and just hit those MIGs, make sure you're hitting those MIGs, but you're increasing that income, that extra cash goes into these wealth accelerators, you can become incredibly wealthy. And let me tell you, it all starts to happen real fast because compound interest starts to get into play. And as that wealth builds and as you get more cash and as you start buying things that produce cash flow in your life every single day, then you can reinvest that cash flow and this snowball really starts to grow because you're hitting those MIGs. Now you got cash flow coming in and you can reinvest that cash flow into other stuff that you want to do and you can start building up that snowball so large that you're not going to be working anymore pretty soon. So this is the fast track to get there. So if that's something you're into, if you want to accelerate your path to wealth after you hit those MIGs, then let's get into it. So the first wealth accelerator that we're going to talk about today is buying businesses. Now, if you have not heard our episode with Cody Sanchez, she talks about a bunch of different businesses that you could go out and you could buy. 
And there's low-cost businesses that you can buy, and there's higher-cost businesses that you can buy. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay out a framework of how to kind of think through this, and then we're going to have a special episode where I'm going to go through step-by-step how to buy businesses where you can look through and say, hey, here's a blueprint, here's a roadmap for me to do this wealth accelerator, but that's going to take an entire episode. So I'm going to give you some of it here and some of the steps that you should be looking at doing if you're interested in buying businesses. Now, this doesn't have to be just boring businesses. It could be all different types of businesses. And specifically, if you buy businesses that you know the industry, and maybe you're working in an industry now where you're getting pretty good at the industry and you realize, hey, there are businesses for sale within what I'm doing. Maybe you're really good at marketing and there's really good marketing agencies that you could go out and buy. Maybe you're really good at website development and there's developers with a client base that you could go out and buy. Maybe you're really good at plumbing and there's plumbing companies that you can go out and buy. But this is something where you got to think through some of these businesses because why start a business when you can just buy one with already existing customers and you can get a loan to actually go out and do it? There's a lot of baby boomers out there who are looking to retire and a lot of businesses, small businesses are going to be coming available and a lot of baby boomers don't even know they can sell their business. So connecting with those folks, seeing if you can get in touch with them, finding these businesses is something that's going to be very profitable here. So let's do an example here. So let's say you want to buy something like a pool route. Now, if you don't know what a pool route is, you can buy a pool route. I looked them up on Biz Buy Sell recently. And you could buy a pool route literally for 1x revenue. What does that mean? If the pool route makes $60,000 a year, you can buy the pool route for $60,000. Now, what is a pool route? It's where you're buying a route that a pool cleaning person goes out and they clean pools for different customers. So you're buying their route. They're selling their route with the existing customer base sitting there. And you can either maintain that existing customer base or you can grow that pool route by using advertising or trying to go out and get more business or trying to grow the business or finding ways to make it more profitable. And you can really increase the amount of income that you can do. So For this, what we're talking about here, and you can use this for any business, but I'm using a simple business like a pool route so you can understand how would I go about doing this? Well, the first thing you want to do is you're going to look for pool routes in the area. So there's a website called Biz Buy Sell, and you can look through various industries. So if there's an industry you're interested in, maybe you're interested in car washes, maybe you're interested in software companies, it doesn't matter. Look on that site and see if there's some in your local area that you're interested in. Now, it doesn't have to be local if it's online, obviously, but it's something that you can look into. And you want to do your due diligence up front. So once you find one, you want to contact either the broker or the owner, and you want to start the due diligence process. Now, with the due diligence process, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be happening during that time. This is the most important part. It's the same thing as real estate. You make all your money when you buy the business. So you're going to try to figure out how much money is this business actually making. And a lot of times what you're going to find is a lot of sellers are lying. So you're going to have to verify it with their profit and loss statement. Now, what the profit and loss statement is, it's a statement that they hand you that tells you what are their expenses and how much money is coming in. That's the simplest way to put it. In addition, you want to see their balance sheet, meaning what kind of assets does the business own? For a pool route, the assets it's going to own is its trucks, its equipment that it uses to clean pools. Does it really have the amount of clientele that they state that they have? How much revenue is actually coming in? Is it really $60,000 like this is listed or is it $52,000? Because that changes the price if that's what it is. When I do due diligence on businesses, you would not believe how many people lie about how much money they make. So really, you got to go into this trusting no one or you can trust them, but you got to verify. So the due diligence period is so incredibly important. Now, you want to make sure what is their overhead? For example, we looked at a car wash at one point where this car wash we thought, oh man, this thing's cash flowing great. The price is great. We had the seller who was looking to retire and the cash flow was amazing. But the problem with the car wash was that we looked through the lease 
and the lease made it entirely the car wash's owner's responsibility to maintain the building. So when I walked into that car wash, it was one of those car washes where it's self-service, so you have the pressure washer ones, and you wash your own car. So I walked into that car wash, into one of the bays, looked up, and there was a hole in the roof. Then I looked all the way across the entire roof, all the way down, and the entire roof, which I didn't notice at the very beginning, it was very well hidden, had rust running all the way up the roof, and it had holes in that rust. This is a very expensive roof to replace because it's a commercial metal roof, and it had metal beams going across it. So this could cost anywhere from twenty to thirty to $40,000. Well, this changes the deal dramatically. But then you look around, and there's other things that are deteriorating as well. So what happened here is we had a really high cash flow deal that because the building was the responsibility of the business owner and you're acquiring that lease as you acquire that business, all of the sudden what you have to do now is you have to go and renegotiate. And on that deal, because the owner was not willing to budge, we could not come to terms because the math didn't make sense anymore. If you have to pay an additional $100,000, you're not getting the same cash flow that you were once before. So that's something to think through here. Because when you're in the due diligence period, this is something where we'll dive deeper when we get into that episode on you know checklists of things you need to be looking at. But when you're in the due diligence period, you got to figure out, is this profitable or is it not profitable? The next one, how am I going to fund this? So there's a bunch of different ways that you can fund it. We talked about on the episode with Cody. The best way is seller financing. So seller financing is when you have the owner actually finance and become the bank where you give them a down payment and then you pay them every single month with a percentage of the cash flow until the loan is paid off. So if they want 60 grand for this pool route, you can put $10,000 down and then you have a $50,000 loan with that owner and you pay them five, six, $700 a month. The other options are you can get an SBA loan or you can get a bank loan. Now, those are more difficult loans to go through the process. So that's why seller financing is the quickest and easiest way to do this. But you can think through and say, what is the best option for you? And you can get creative with it as well. And then how are you going to manage the pool rider? Are you going to go around and start cleaning pools? Are you going to hire somebody or keep the existing employees in place? Which during the due diligence process, you got to say, are these employees actually staying or are they leaving? And how much do they actually make? Do they make what this balance sheet says they make? There's a lot of things that you have to factor into play there to make sure that you're buying this thing right if it has employees. And who will operate it? Are you going to be the manager? Are you going to have a manager in place making sure everybody's doing the right thing? And you just go on down the list to figure out Is this thing profitable? How much cash flow can I make? Because if you can make cash flow on it, you can accelerate your wealth and all of a sudden you buy the first one. Let's say you make $10,000 a year off that pool route when you buy a $60,000 pool route. Okay, well now you have an additional $10,000 where you can buy a second pool route in year two. Now you have two of them and you're making 20 grand a year. Well, you take that 20 grand, you buy two more. Now you have four pool routes and you're taking over the area. You're the pool person. This is how wealth is built. And this is how you really can accelerate your path to wealth and really make a lot more money than what you're making now. And it's not a major investment, as you can see, because I'm looking at it all day long here. Now, if you live in Minnesota, a pool route's not going to be profitable. But are there fencing companies? Are there roofing companies you can buy? Are there car washes? Are there lawn care and snow shoveling companies? you got to look through and say, hey, what is available in my area? What would work here? And what is my expertise in? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
And if you need to hire, you need Indeed, because Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. And they have a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. So ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash personal finance. Just go to Indeed.com slash personal finance right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash personal finance. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One of the hardest things about managing your money is figuring out where it's all going. And most of us are trying to save for several goals at once, which can feel like a daunting task to see if you're on track or even on pace to accomplishing your goals. But there is a tool that makes it so much easier and it's called Monarch Money. They help you track your money flow without taking a ton of time and energy. And Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. And you can invite them with an extra account with their own login at no extra cost to collaborate with you. And Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can create custom budgets, set notifications, and you can set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications. And after trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash PFP. That's M-O-N- A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash P-F-P for your extended 30-day free trial. The key to winning in any business is making sure you have the right business partner. An example is Procter & Gamble or Ben & Jerry. But what about the perfect partners when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million dollars stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. And most people know one of your biggest struggles when it comes to starting an online business is finding new customers, and Shopify can help you do that. And what I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PFP, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash PFP now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash PFP. Now is a great time of year to get your finances in order. And no matter what your financial goals are this year, when you use Chime's online checking account, you can cross all those financial to-dos off your list. Chime's online checking account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-fee overdraft up to $200. Plus, get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go 24-7. And you get access to over 60,000 ATMs. So start building your credit and open a Chime checking account with at least $200 qualifying direct deposit to get started. Get started at Chime.com PFP. That's Chime.com PFP. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bankcorp Bank, NA, or Stride Bank, NA, members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Early access to direct deposit funds depends on payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. 
The next one, and you knew this one was coming, you could buy cash-flowing real estate. Now, real estate is a major wealth accelerator because real estate helps you build wealth in a number of ways. The first one is appreciation. When you buy a property over the long term, it appreciates and goes up in value significantly if you look at historical charts of housing prices. In addition, you can also get cash flow if it's a rental property. So as long as your expenses are taken care of, you can have cash flow every single month coming into you and you can reinvest that cash flow into more properties or you can keep that cash flow to fund your lifestyle. Then you have tax benefits. So real estate has amazing tax benefits, maybe some of the best tax benefits. That's why all the really wealthy people invest in real estate because the tax benefits are really off the charts. We've had an episode talking about what you can write off in real estate and I'll link it up in the show notes if you want to check that out. In addition, you have leverage that you can utilize to help you build wealth, meaning a bank is much more willing to loan you money on a property. There's a reason why banks aren't willing to loan you money on stocks. You can use a little bit of leverage on stocks, but they're much more willing to loan you money on a property because there's a physical asset that they could foreclose on if you don't pay up. You can add loan pay down to that wealth accelerator where somebody else is waking up every single day, your tenant going to work and paying down your loan every single month for you. This is why investing in real estate is much more profitable than actually your personal residence. And we talk about that where your personal residence really isn't that great of an investment if you really do the math and break it down. And we talk about that in the buy versus rent episode that we have as well. Then you can also force equity into a property. Say you get a distressed property, you buy it. You can force equity into that property by renovating the property and it's worth much more than it was before. So there's a bunch of different options as well. For starters, you could do single family houses or you could do small multifamily housing. Now, multifamily housing is going to cash flow much higher, but it's a different clientele than single family housing. It is much harder right now at the time of recording this to get single family houses because there's a very low inventory of housing right now. So you could look at multifamily, maybe do small multifamily or larger multifamily. You could look at things like Airbnbs, which are doing very well right now. You could do things like mobile home parks. There's so many different areas of real estate that you can invest in. And we have so many episodes on this. But one of the best ones is we have 21 plus different ways that you can invest in real estate. And we talk about all the different ways and eight of those are passive in that episode so that you can figure out, hey, which route of real estate do I want to take? In addition, you can create your own business. Now, one of my favorite follows, and he doesn't do it as much anymore because he's really heavily invested in real estate now, was Nick Huber and the Sweaty Startup. So you can look him up. And Nick Huber had one of the best philosophies when it came to starting a business. Basically, what he said was that there is a much lower rate of startups that are in sweaty startups, meaning companies say, for example, that put in fences or build closets or moving companies. Think through companies where it's a little bit more difficult and there's manual labor involved. There's much less startup of those types of companies than there are things like tech companies or anything else. So tech companies are really highly competitive. They're much more exciting. But if you look at boring, sweaty startups, you can really make good money. And he kind of lays out the case for that on how you can really make good money just by having these sweaty startups. You can make five, 10, 15, $20,000 and get up to the millions if you really get good at this by having this. Now, I would prefer to buy a business because you already have the existing clientele. You're not trying to build it up, but you could do it through these sweaty startups and have somebody else run it where you're just the investor. Another one is lending money. So you can lend money out to people. There's a ton of different opportunity with this. You can lend in real estate notes. You're the bank and you're charging interest and every single month they're paying you back with interest on your money. You could do it with business notes. Same thing. You're lending out to people who want to buy businesses or businesses who need a loan and then they're paying you back. Now, I would rather invest in real estate notes than business notes because if the business defaults, there's not really anything for you to take over. But in real estate, if they default, you have the property that you can take back. Then there's things like angel investing. 
where if you get really good at it and have a lot of connections, then you could really get good at angel investing as well. The next one, and this is one where everyone's always like, well, when do I start investing in crypto? And we've had a couple of episodes on crypto. And one thing I want to note here is crypto can be a wealth accelerator, but it has no intrinsic value. So you got to think through this. And this is an interesting time where at the time of recording this, crypto has gone down significantly from its highest of highs. It's a riskier asset. So you don't want it to be any more than 5 to 10% of your portfolio. If you're highly leveraged in crypto, say you're at 50, 60, 70, 80% of your portfolio, you have a very risky portfolio at play. I know it can go to the moon. I understand how volatile it is. And you just got to hold on tight for dear life. But crypto is not something that you want to have high volume of within your portfolio. Now, if you have a lot of money and you have a million dollars of crypto, all more power to you. But if you have $100,000 of crypto and your total portfolio is $110,000, that's a problem because you are not hedging the risk that's at play there. And it's extremely risky to do that, but it can be a wealth accelerator. We all know that in a decade, Bitcoin went from zero to $60,000. So it's something where you can really make a lot of money. It's been the highest producing asset in the last decade, but you just gotta be careful until we figure out exactly where crypto is going and how it's going to be used. So there are some examples of wealth accelerators. And I want you to think through some other wealth accelerators. What would you be interested in? Because the business route, the real estate route, those have so many different opportunities. You just got to find what opportunity you want to get involved in and really get to know that opportunity and really go after it because you don't want to sit there in analysis paralysis too long. You want to make sure you're taking action. If you want to take small bets first and buy a smaller business, for example, and see if that fits your personality, then it's something you potentially definitely want to start looking into now. Listen, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode about Wealth Accelerators. If you guys have any questions, hit me up on Instagram or TikTok at Master Money Co. and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast player you love listening to this podcast. And if you want to help out the show, thank you guys so much for doing this. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I can't thank you guys enough for listening to this episode. I appreciate each and every single one of you that listens to it. And we'll see you on the next episode. Everyone's heard the saying, you have to spend money to make money. 
But everything in life, from travel to starting a business, is expensive, which is why I want to tell you about a new podcast I love that will teach you all the tactics, tricks, and tips you need to upgrade your life, money, and even travel, all while spending less and saving more. It's called All the Hacks, and it's a top-ranked show hosted by my good friend Chris Hutchins, a financial optimizer, an entrepreneur who's racked up millions of points, and he sold two companies. And if you want to rethink the way you're spending money, you have to check out the episode 91 with Bill Perkins and why you should be optimizing for net fulfillment and not net worth and striving to die with zero. All the Hacks has something for everyone, and I'm sure you'll find a new tactic that you can apply to your own life, whether it's a money hack that increases your net worth or a routine change that boosts your productivity. So check out All the Hacks. That's All the Hacks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your wallet will thank you later.